I'm Lisa Bontesumi, and this is the Ath Mindset podcast series on sports epreneur. This podcast series is a space for conversations with athletes, coaches, practitioners, and stakeholders in sports. And it's where those individuals share their perspectives, experiences, and thoughts on mental health in sports. Eric Kazimoff of Sports Epreneur is generously hosting the Ath Mindset podcast series on his platform as he deeply believes that these conversations are essential and deserve to be prioritized. This is the Ath Mindset podcast series on Sports Epreneur. Sports Epreneur, the content platform where sports, entrepreneurship, and mental health collide. If you are looking to start a podcast or create original content, you have to talk with the team at Sports Epreneur. I work with them and I vouch for them. It's that simple. Go to sportse.io to learn more. Nana, we've been talking about getting together. We've had a lot of talks, just me and you, mm-hmm. over the months and years now. It seems like this is an opportunity for us to just have another one of those conversations as open as you feel comfortable with. You've played soccer at high levels for so long. I mean, you were a teenager playing for the Canadian national team at different levels, different ages. But I think what I appreciate about you the most is like just the thoughtful human that you are. You're not a stereotypical athlete. I'll put it that way. You are like, you know, they think that like athletes are like all testosterone driven and like, well, a lot of them are. But like, I'm glad that you aren't and that, you know, we've connected on some deep levels, you and I, and I think it's because of the human that you are. So I just wanted to say that and appreciate you for that. Thank you. Well, how do you think that your opportunity, I mean, your opportunities that were given to you as a footballer, a soccer player, depending on where you are in this world, where you're located, how has that helped you be the man that you are today? Well, that's a great first question. For me, soccer, especially coming from where I come from, was way out. We talk about mental health and, you know, when you're growing up, you don't know what mental health is, you know, especially 20, 25 years ago, it wasn't as important as it was or spoken the way it is now. Right. So for me, it was a way out without even knowing it. It was a place Ah. where I can go and be myself, express myself, a safe space for me. So I owe a lot to sports, to soccer. So very grateful for it. Not a... That's moving. I mean, yeah, we're getting right into it, aren't we? Like when you talk about where you're from, you're talking about the neighborhood you grew up in Canada. Yeah. And, you know, the heritage that you have with your parents and your upbringing it from Ghana. Like which ones are you talking about? Or are you talking about both? Both. I would say both. The neighborhood I grew up in, I'm very proud of where I come from. Everybody knows that about me. If it wasn't for those experiences, I'm not, you know, the man I am today. But also, you know, my background and just being from Ghana. My parents both born and raised in Ghana. Uh Our upbringing is very different than most. I love to say, like, if I had kids, I would love for them to be raised in Africa. It's a culture thing. You know, our culture is just different. We're taught a lot of character things at such a young age that it just builds and defines who we are. So both, I would say both played a huge role in who who I am today and, and my upbringing. Like most kids from the inner city, a lot of tough experiences, but I'm grateful for all of them. It shaped me to be who I am today. Yeah. So when you say it was a way out, it was from the inner city of Canada. Yeah. Those experiences. What part of Canada did you live in? I'm from Toronto. I tell that to people who aren't from the area, but people that are familiar with the area, I'm from a place called Brampton, which is west of downtown Toronto, where everybody knows. 
it's a sports city. We've got a lot of talent there, a lot of talent in every aspect, not even just sports, arts, career-wise, but a lot of kids that look like me come out of there is what it is. But And if you meet other people from there, very similar characteristics. We're all quiet. We observe a lot. The city made us who we are, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, a city like that could make you or break you. Correct. So how did you discover soccer? Did soccer discover you? Like, when did you first start playing? When did you start loving it? Yeah, so I have family all over the world, literally all over the world. And we used to go to New York a lot growing up. My whole family would travel from all over, go to one of my uncle's houses and do our celebrations there. And my older cousin was actually kicking a ball around and he was kicking around with my sister. And it was actually my sister. So I give all the credit to my sister because when we got home, you know, she continued doing it and I just learned from her. And it was a perfect place to get me to focus all my energy and keep me out of, well, out of trouble and stuff. So that's four years old. Four. I was just going to ask you, how old were you? Four. Oh, you must have been so cute. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's a funny story in so many ways because I'm the oldest. I'm the only sister and I have two younger brothers and their wives today, like when they get accolades about soccer, they're like, wait a minute, that's because Lisa did it because I'm the one that kind of brought it to the family too. So it's really interesting how that can happen, but they went further with it than I did. But it was funny because I, I came across it accidentally too. Like my parents couldn't take me home for my after-school program. So I called my best friend's mom. Can you take her home? We're late at work. And she's like, yeah, but Colleen has soccer practice. So if we can take her home, we have to take her home after. So she has to come. And my parents were like, okay, like they don't have any other choice. So I went and I was like, oh, look at this. This looks fun. And the coach said, come on. You don't have to sit there. Come play with us. And then the rest is history there. Wow. And like you, Nana, like after reflection as an adult and looking back and having that time to kind of look at our lives and learn, like, I think it was a way out for me too. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that a lot. When everybody asks me, why soccer? Why soccer? Like, I played all sports growing up, but there was something about soccer the way you, if you want to be a very good soccer player, you need to learn how to think. Uh, for me, it's the yeah. game in your head more than this. And for me, I'm a thinker. Like, anybody that knows me, I'll sit in the corner and think for 12 hours straight. That's where I'm more comfortable, right? So that's where I fell in love with the game. Like, for me, when I say a way out, like, Sitting alone in a corner and thinking is my way up. This is what I do. It's where I'm like at peace and stuff. So the game, just the thinking aspect of it is where I fell in love with it. Mm, the strategy, the tactical decisions, speaking to your teammates on the field, communicating, learning where they're going to go or not go and how to like deliver the ball properly, like all that stuff. Is that what you're talking about, Nana? It's one big game of chess for me, you know? Your opponents are trying to get in your head. You're trying to get in their head. It's like, okay, who's best? You know, we'll do this. So for me, it's that's where I fell in love with soccer, you know? Like, that's for my competitive. Like, you get to win and lose games all the time. But for me, it's the personal battles that you face on a daily basis. That's where the joy is for me. Mm -hmm. You and I have talked about the beauties of the beautiful game, right? We've talked about like the stresses too, though. Like when did you start to experience soccer as having pressures, like pressures put on you by whoever it might be, the coach, your parents, yourself, the fans. When did that start to happen? 14 years old. And if we're going to be honest, that's when you slowly start to lose the love for the game. When it 
goes from being a safe place and something you do for fun and love to a business at such a young age when you don't have the tools, education, the resources to be able to figure it all out and deal with it, that's when it becomes tough. And for me at that age, if anyone who's followed my career at that age is when people started looking at me as like, okay, you're that guy who's going to make it out. And that pressure at such a young age, Mm. coming from where I was coming from, it wasn't easy. It was not easy. I'd be lying to you if I told you it was easy for me. So that's when the pressure and the whole mental side started to kick in for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so important. The piece of tools, education, and resources. Like looking back, any 14-year-old or the 14-year-old Nana looking back, like what do you wish you had in place to support you through that process at such a young age? Well, that's a deep question. So I have a great relationship with my dad. I do. We talk every day. I would say I wish I had a better relationship with him back then. Because mm. I didn't have his physical presence a lot when I was 14. And I feel like that's very, very important for a young boy trying to navigate through the world. You need that presence in your life. So for me, looking at where you know I fell short, I would say having that presence would have helped me. Learning how to deal with pressure and people and emotions, just emotions in general. I didn't grow up knowing how to deal with emotions, right? So for me, that would be something I wish I had. Wow. So the expected answer of, oh, a better coach, money to buy my kit and my cleats, things like that is not where you're coming from. You're saying to me that the social familial support of the dad to a son as a human in your own development would help you to be able to navigate this big sort of professional piece that's starting at such a young age. It starts at home. It's those relationships at home. Yeah, exactly. So luckily for me, I had great coaches my whole childhood. The shoes and stuff, I had all that. I would say my biggest battle, and not even just in sports though, like sports is what we're talking about, but in life in general was navigating what I was feeling. And there's a lot of pressure in sports, especially with where I was at at that age, the teams I was on, the teams I would be playing, the coaches I had, just where I was at. I needed, I definitely needed that figure. You know, I had a lot of friends that were older than me, but their lives also weren't my lives, you know, and I couldn't follow all those guys with where I was going. So that's something that I'll forever say I could have used more. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about like name and like describe some of the pressures that you felt, not just at the beginning when you were 14, but along, along your career, like in Canada. And then I know you played internationally and then here in the MLS, like how did those pressures change? Do they change? How do you learn to cope? Yeah. Well, I mean, as a soccer player, the biggest pressure you get to face is first of all, soccer is an international sport. Let's go and say that. So you're going to, deal with expectations culturally that you've never experienced. We'd go play in Portland and you're dealing with fans. I don't care about you. They don't care if your mother's sick in the hospital. They don't care about these things. You know, they're going to say what they want to say. And if you're not built a certain type of way, I'll break you in ways like, and now you got to go home after a bad performance. And this is why I stayed away from Twitter my whole life. Like 
people just say what they, they don't care about how you feel as a human being, right? So after a bad performance, now you got to go home and hear or your parents ask, well, why couldn't you do this? Come on, you know? So like, it's a lot of internal battles you face on a daily basis, relationship with coach, teammates, your spouse, your partner. Like you got a lot of personal things that are going on and people don't see that. They just see you as an entertainer, you know? Like I still got to go home and deal with all my personal stuff. I'm not worried about what's going on on the field anymore, you know? So like, but people don't always see that. When you try to explain it to people who don't live or come from where you come from, it's like that understanding piece. I actually learned this recently that here I am trying to tell you about like why I am the way I am. You're not meant to understand that. My journey was different than your. I grew up in a place different than this. So like, and I would get very upset at people who I felt couldn't understand me. Now it's just like, I, my journey wasn't meant for you to understand. So there's a lot of peace in that, but I'm also 32 now. I didn't know this 10 years ago. So I was dealing with all these thoughts and stuff 10 years ago. So you learn a lot about yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, soccer helped raise you. Soccer did raise me, yeah. I mean, you were traveling internationally at such a young age and being on the road, being with your teammates, like those were your guardians, your parents away from home, right? And doing that in another culture, like you said, right? Yeah. And being a Black man, Black man in some of these countries where they're, they're going to commodify you even more. Mm-hmm. I mean, how did you deal with that? You're right. Like I tell everybody, soccer raised me. Yeah. Soccer and my mother, like I have a strong family. I, let me not leave that part of very strong family, but I'm with my teammates more than I'm with my family. This has been my life every day for the past 20 years. I could count the amount of times I've seen my family in the past five years. That's not okay, you know, and that's been my life. So it raised me, you know, but luckily for me, most of my teams had a lot of strong men, male, like role models. A lot of them were older than me. And I could even go as far as seeing a lot of strong black males. Now, there's a blessing and a curse with that because... I'm 17 years old playing with a 30-year-old multi-millionaire who lives a certain way. I don't have the proper guidance. So I would say it's a blessing and a curse, but at the same time, I grew up very quick. Very, very quick, you know? So I matured quicker than others. So like, that's a blessing. But other things came along with my life that's a curse from being around soccer players my whole life. So I'm very good at taking the pauses of any situation. So... Again, I wouldn't change my life for anything. I've been through some crazy experiences, but, you know, I've learned from all of them. Yeah. No, that's who you are. You're always going to take that approach. That's what I really appreciate about you. It's, I mean, your adversity has helped grow you and mold you to who you are and has helped you be the resilient, like, kind man that you have become and are becoming. So it's just, it's awesome. And that's a choice, Nana. You choose to look at it that way. A lot of people could choose to look at it another way. That's one of the many things I appreciate about you. When you were talking about understanding your life, and it sounds like the frustration and hurt that people don't understand, but that's okay that they don't. What's the difference between understanding and empathizing? Empathizing with your experience. Do you differentiate that at all? Yeah. So this is a sticky topic for me because I get it frustrates me, but I feel like I'm very empathetic. There's people that I've come across who hate me for reasons I can't control. Like, okay, cool. I really don't care that you hate me, but let's talk about why you hate me, you know? And I feel like with me, there's people I don't 
what it's not respect or get along with, I can understand why you are the way you are. And I can have a conversation with you, like to get to know why you made this decision. And I come across people that I'm sitting here trying to talk to you about something. I'm trying to explain to you why I made this decision. Because another thing about me is when I make a decision, I stand on it. You're not going to make me change my mind. So, but just talk to me to understand where I'm coming from. What shaped me into making that decision? Mm-hmm. People who can't do that, it's very hard for me to like, why, like, are you better than me? Like, what makes you think, I'm not saying you have to agree with me at all, but just learn, like improve your self-awareness and learn from other people, people who can't do that. And I've come across a lot of people very close to who can't do that. And it's very hard. It's something that I've always struggled to deal with internally. Like, is it a me thing? But again, as I'm saying this, I don't want people to think this is something I've known for 10 years. This is stuff I've learned the last three, four, five months. So it's me learning to like release. Like I can't control you. If this is who you want to be, that's on you. Like I'm not going to change who I am because you refuse to be empathetic or to learn or to better yourself. So yeah, it's a tough topic. I get very uncomfortable because it still bothers me to this day, but this has been like my whole life, right? Like, and not even just me. I don't need nobody feeling sorry for me at all, but like people that are different, whether you want to black people, like Asians, like just different people that like get to know people. That's it. Like we all want the best. Nobody wants problems and pain and nobody wants that. So that's a very sticky topic for me. Yeah, I can see why. I mean, it's almost like you just want what you give to other people. That's it. You strive to understand, to know, to empathize, to put your feet in their shoes kind of thing. And like, is it too much to ask to have that returned? Yeah. I can see how that could cause a lot of pain. A lot of pain, especially when you're like coming from a place of peace. Like, I don't want problems with you. You know what I mean? Um, let's just talk about it. Like, I have made this decisions that have hurt other people. I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't. But like, if I'm telling you there was things going on within me that I didn't know at the time that allowed me to do, why don't you want to like listen to that? I'm not asking to be your friend. Just listen. But hey, you can't control other people and how they were brought up. So yeah. And their ability to connect. And maybe it's too hard for them. They don't know how. I mean, there's just, there's so many reasons. But I mean, I think it's great that you're coming into your own understanding of yourself and growing your own self-awareness and knowing who you want around you Mm -hmm. that help you continue to be who you want to be. Yeah. You played many, many years professionally. I know you retired last year. Yeah. And now you're in a new role. Tell us about that role and with the Oakland Roots and what you do there. Yeah, no, the role, if I could have wrote down the perfect like plan or yeah, perfect strategy post-career, I would say the Roots provided me that platform. So I coach, I'm an assistant coach with the team, but I'm also responsible for dealing with players, whether it's current players, players we're thinking about bringing in. And for me, like we spoke about earlier, it's like, I'm a big thinker. Uh And to do what I do now is one big chess game. Like you're dealing with agents, you're dealing with clubs, you're dealing with egos literally every single day. And it's like, again, okay, we can do that. You know, it's a game to me. So it's fun. It's another thing I would say that is like a safe space for me because I love Ogu. I would say in the latter years of my career playing soccer, I did lose a lot of the joy. Again, like 2020, everything that was going on, I was dealing with personal things. So, and where I'm at, I'm happy. 
it's the best way I could put it. You know, I, I feel like a lot of people aren't actually happy. I'm happy with what I do. So a lot more to be done. And I've got ideas and visions and stuff. So for me, it's about putting it all together and just keep building that way. I mean, it sounds like there's an opportunity to really be close to and involved with the younger players in ways maybe you get that chance. For someone who cares. Because like from the 510 development team to the roots, there's kids as young as 14, 15, 16 on that team, the same age that you started all the way up to 30, 31, 32. But like, what does it mean to you to be able to have a positive impact on those younger guys? And for me, like, this is why I do what I do is, is those kids, the 14, 15, 16, just to be a voice for them. You know, these kids don't know what they think. And to be fair, I had a lot of mentors to this day that have helped me and shaped where my life is and where it's about to go. You know, like these are guys I've known since I was 13, 14, 15, when I didn't have that. And I also know them, again, I didn't grow up with certain things, right? So for me, it's to know where I'm coming from and to know I could help a kid in a similar situation. It's why else do you do it? People are going to sit here and say they do it for money. And well, that's great. But like that goes when you, we're going to pass away at some point, you know, for me, it's more about helping the youth. And I, Project 510 is a big, big, big thing that I'm committed to. A lot of great kids there that just need guidance and education. So if I could be that vessel for them, at least I know my work is purposeful. Exactly. Exactly. It's purposeful. And you're clear about your purpose. Very clear about my purpose. Nobody's about to talk me out of my purpose. (laughs) I will make you very uncomfortable before you talk me out of my purpose. I love it. I'm glad I'm not that person talking to you. I'm talking you in, more and more in to it because it's perfect. It's perfect for you. I mean... People live their lives and then pass away and never have known their purpose, never identified it, never knew how to express it. You as a young man, 32, like you've been living it. And I think that is just so special and rare in a lot of ways. And to dedicate yourself like you are is helping a lot of people. Like, I don't know if you hear that a lot, but I want you to hear it. Like who you are helps a lot of people and inspires a lot of people. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You have become a mental health advocate through your life, through what you have gone through. What does that mean to you? And how do you define that? Am I even saying it right? I'm saying you're a mental health advocate, but I don't want to put that in your words, but you are someone who believes in caring for mental health. You understand how important it is. Like, how did you come to that? And like, what does it mean to you to speak up on it? Well, you know me, Lisa, I'm very open and honest and raw. And if you don't like it, you don't like it, but I'll keep it real. I love it. I love it. I didn't know the importance of mental health for a very long time. Like I said, I'd gone 15 years as a pro, another six before that in high-level environments. I didn't know what it was like to feel sad. If you felt sad and you came and told me you were sad, I swear to you, in my head, I would be laughing at you. Like, that's the environment I grew up in, right? Mental health has also affected my family personally, my family and friends. And 2020 for me, for us, Everybody else was a very tough year. And with some of the personal things I was going through and now finally growing into myself as a man and expressing my feelings, a lot of my feelings and pain that I went through wasn't my immediate circumstances. It was stuff from my past that I hadn't worked through. That's when I realized like, oh, this is real. You know, like when you try to just bury things and be tough, it's just going to come back to get you. And I started learning more about depression, anxiety, and all these things. And 
that's when I really like, okay, I struggle with mental health. You don't want to say it. Nobody's really strong enough to say that, but it's true. Every single one of us mentally has struggled. For me, it's about, and this goes back to the youth, because like I said, it's affected me personally, right? So these kids that are, especially in sports, the culture in sports is one that for me needs to be like looked at and talked about and just revisited because we're teaching these kids to feel nothing, just go perform. And what that does mentally to like, even some of your personal relationships, you know, like the past two years, I've spent a lot of time reaching out to old friends and family and just connecting with them because with everything I was going through in the past and the pressures, you disconnect. Yeah. That's where like I've learned to be alone a lot of the times. And I'm not saying I regret it because again, that's where I'm at peace most of the time, but that definitely came from all the pressures and mental health stuff I dealt with in the past. So I'm big on mental health. Any chance I get to speak to kids and just people about it in general, I will. And that's where, again, purpose for me. I'm big on so Love it. Love it. And as you speak, a lot of us define our whys and our purpose by our own personal experiences. And yes, what a great match to be working for the Oakland Roots, a purpose-driven club. It's not just about the club having a purpose. It's about each person who works for the club have a purpose and contribute that purpose on the day-to-day. So I think that's super huge. I mean, I think that when you talk about mental health, the way that we were socialized, especially as athletes, as men, to not speak about what we're feeling, it's like, does that mean they're weak? Does that mean they don't have mental toughness? Does that mean that I can't count on them to play their role on the field because they have feelings and emotions? I mean, you're human beings. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you're not just for someone's entertainment. You're not a robot. You're not a commodified entity that's just out there to perform and execute and that your humanity is not taken care of. So I think it's huge that you have the capacity to impact that new culture shift of what it is to be an athlete at a high level. Like, can we still love the game enough to keep playing for ourselves and still be competitive and be marketed and be sponsored and all of that, like, how can we do both? I mean, I think COVID is also so huge. I mean, we're still in it at the pandemic. And I think my philosophy on it is that the psychological and emotional ramifications of COVID are going to be with us for many years to come and uniquely for the athlete. Yeah. I just feel like, I mean, again, having lived it, I could relate and understand with some of the things these players go through. It's like, you have a kid who will go and score three goals a night and then everyone, 10,000, 20,000 people love him. But as soon as he leaves the field, you don't know what the dude is going through. Like, just talk to the... Exactly. For me, it always goes back to understanding. Just get to understand whether it's the player that plays for your hometown club, your teammate, like, just get to know the person because we're all fighting battles that are real. So yeah, this is, again, this is something that I'm very big on. I'm just happy that in 2021, the conversation is slowly becoming different when it comes to mental health and all that stuff. So, Yes. And that people have to understand that there are services, resources, and people that can support. Like you don't have to deal with it on your own, right? That like there's a way that you can cope with your past, Mm -hmm. heal, and employ skills and strategies to help yourself. And that people need to hear stories like and conversations like we're having right now to know that they're not alone. That Nana Atakora has been through all this and he's still like this amazing guy. 
but it's almost like he's the amazing guy because he's gone through all of this. Exactly. And that's what's tough for people to understand. Like people look at things you've been through and like, oh my God, you did that. Yeah, I did that. So what? You know, it's helped me get here, but people aren't there yet. Or they look at your past and your experiences as positive. Like, again, I've been through some stuff man, and like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I regret any of it. There's things I've seen. I wish I never wished that on somebody, but that's my journey. That experience shaped me for what I'm going through now, where I'll be in 10, 20, 30 years, you know? So again, understanding everybody has their own journey and processes, experiences different, right? So if we could just get to that place, we'll be in a much better place. Yeah. If we can have the compassion for each other to know that we're defined by our experiences and that they're not to be judged, we're all different. You're one Black man from Ghana, from Canada, that has its own unique experience. I could line up 10 guys from the same background, the same situation, and it's you're all going to experience it differently because you're all unique human. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. People take that for granted. People don't want to care because then what does that mean to them? They want to open their hearts. They don't want to. It's too scary. I mean, this is about human relationships. It comes back down to, right? If you were to have a chance to go hang out with your 14-year-old self, what would you say to him? Wow. You hit me with some real questions today. (laughs) Yeah. I would say it's okay to be who you know you are. Mm. If we're going to be honest, like I said, I come from a place where your surroundings, your neighborhood, your friends. Friends are just important as family are to me. In fact, I could actually say I have more friends that are legit. I'm very close. They're family. That's the best way I could put it. So there's a lot of influence. Not having that male figure physically in your life, you start to pick up tendencies and you follow your friend at such a young age. And there was things that I knew in my heart probably wasn't who I was, but I had no one to to guide me towards that, you know? So if I can go back, because I always knew who I was, what I believed in, where my heart was, my morals, character, I knew all that. But if I could go back and say it's okay to follow your path, it would have saved me from a lot of pain. Uh, yeah. I ask a deep question, I get a deep answer. That's what I get. <laughs> and I appreciate it. I mean, I know that one day you want to be a father and that you want to raise your kids in a certain way. What have you learned from your own experience, like as a man, as a human, as an athlete, in the way that you would guide how you mold these human beings? Show them love and be there, be present. And not when I say be present, it's not so much just physically be present, like be present emotionally, all that stuff. Like, cause kids need that. Again, I can speak on my experience. I got a brother and a sister as well. So when we talk about some of our experiences, each one of us has a different experience. And the root of whether it's a problem is we needed that presence there and we didn't have it. So for me, it's like, one thing I've learned about myself as an adult is when I've gone through certain situations where people who loved me needed me, I wasn't present. And again, I didn't know how to be present. Nobody taught me this, right? So this is something I had to learn on my own. That's something that my children, I don't want them to ever experience. 
world is a scary place. Like, just be present. You don't know what they're going through, what their daily lives look like unless you're there, right? So that's something that I know for a fact I will do different is just to be present in all aspects, not just physically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a simple answer, but so powerful. And a lot of times parents, because of their own histories, their own experiences, their own traumas, some go through them too, unhealed, unresolved. They don't know how to show what they wish they had or show what they know their kids need. Yeah. It's about this school or that school or this scholarship or that external validation of who they are as a family, not unconditional, like unwavered love. Yeah. And you actually said something there that is one of the things I take from my upbringing that like, I generally do not care what anybody thinks about me. I think that's a major strength, especially growing up, because like you said, like when we talk about family and kids and all that stuff, I don't care what you think about my, I'm going to raise my family the way like is good for my kids and my family. I don't care what you think. You go raise your family how you want to raise. But that's something that like, again, my upbringing and my experiences have taught me that I will, I take pride in that, that nobody's opinions of me will break me. Like that's on you. I know my life, you know? So again, all that for me ties into like the greater good of where I think I'm headed. Yes. Where I know you're headed. I mean, you're a guy about relationships. Those matter to you, nurturing them giving to them and receiving from them. And I think that's why, for so many reasons, why we connect, we have the same values around that and we don't take them for granted. Mm -hmm. So I really, really appreciate your time. Is there anything else that you want to make sure you share with me today that we didn't get to that is like heavy on your heart or super important? Let's just continue to talk to our kids. That's how I'll finish any podcast interview. Just continue to talk to kids. And if you could talk to kids that don't look like you, the better. Mm. It's learn. Like we all have real experiences that make us like, at least I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I've been going through stuff the past couple of months where like, dude, if you just sat down and talked to me, like you would know where my heart was at. That's it. Nobody's asking to be your friend. Like I have enough friends. My life is my life, but I'm trying to help you grow. Like I'm a man first. And I talk to a lot of these kids from like the inner cities and stuff. And it's always the same conversation. Why did you get in trouble in school? Well, I was just trying to explain. Like, they just want to be understood. Like, talk to our kids. Talk to people that don't look like you. Better yourself. Mm, I love that. I love that. So, so important. Well, Nana, thank you so much for being here with me today. I always appreciate sharing space with you. I love you as a human, a man. I really respect who you are. And um, just thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're great, Lisa. I appreciate you. (laughs) Don't make me cry. Oh, I want to give you a big hug. You told me it's okay to cry. (laughs) You're the one who said that. That's true. (laughs) Oh, it's okay. I'm coming from a female vanity place. I don't want my makeup to run. One of my favorite things about our Sportsypreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at Sports Epreneur. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, the Sports Epreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide.
Sportsypreneur is a content platform, a collaborative team, and a marketing brand that is all about showcasing leaders and difference makers in and around the world of sports. While we create our own content, we also create content with you. This includes collaborative content and exclusive content for your brand. Think podcasts, blogs, social media, and overall content strategy. Our sports content marketing team is specifically niche for those in the sports industry. That includes sports businesses, athletes, managers, coaches, trainers, entrepreneurs, and business leaders in the sports market. The bottom line is we want to help with your sports-related brand, your content marketing, and your story. Connect with us on Instagram at sportsepreneur or find us online at sportsepreneur.com. Sportsepreneur, the content platform where sports and entrepreneurship collide.